Puddles in the morning, puddles in the evening, puddles in the afternoon. Well, I'm a puddle boy and she's a puddle girl. The Puddles Podcast is starting real soon. Welcome to Puddles with Andrew Collin. I'm Andrew Collin, a.k.a. Puddle Boy, a.k.a. Dry Dick, a.k.a. Poo Pants, a.k.a. Garbage Face, a.k.a. Uh, Twelve Falls, a.k.a. Old Gray Balls, a.k.a. Mice, a.k.a. ATC, a.k.a. AKA. Woo! I am fucking excited. I'm not going to do the whole radio voice the whole time, but I really am excited for this guest. Um... I don't really know exactly how to put it, but like I, I, I'm, I'm an amazing athlete. I'll just put it out there. Like I'm an insane. I was a three sport athlete in a at a small private school, and I started on one of the teams senior year barely. I was a huge athlete. I had one touchdown senior year. I got hit so hard I cried a little bit. In basketball, I played backup point guard. We got to the final eight in the state. We had a you know a seven foot white guy on our team. I don't know if he's better than this guest that I'm about to introduce, but he was pretty nasty. He played overseas. He finally grew into his baby skin. Uh, I'm just saying, I was fucking, like, a lot of people thought I could go D6, D7, maybe Beautiful. D3. That's uh, great. So I, my dream scenario is just to make this, like, my, my podcast, like Barstool, where I just interview athletes. And this is my first athlete, but he's going to be the first of many. I'm sure he's going to get me uh, MJ and uh, maybe um, Julius Irving next. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy is fucking awesome. He played for the Miami Heat. He's with the Portland Trailblazers. He just raised 70 grand for uh, for COVID-19. I don't know why I put that in there as like your teams, but whatever. Myers Leonard, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining me, bro. Hey, my pleasure, man. Uh, I'm excited to be on here. You know, you're, you're. Uh, I'll, I'll just let the, I'll let the people who are watching or listening know this. So, my wife and I went on a double date with her best friend, and actually, it was one of our front office guys in Portland. And they say hey, we want to go to a comedy show, and I thought to myself, I like funny people. Why not? We'll go. It'll be a fun date night. You know, I'll kick back, have a beer, do my thing, and uh, we we were there to see Nikki. But I was like, these people before have to be funny, or at least somewhat funny. So you get up on the freaking stage. Bro, you're freaking hilarious, man. Like, ah. my, all four of us were dying in our chairs, bro, you're, the entire time. I mean, you're, the whole story, I mean, I'm not going mm, to go into it, but it's legendary. So anyways, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I, uh, I watched Andrew – in Portland, we connected over social media, and we since have hung out a couple times. But uh, you're funny bro, as hell, bro. I got I got a comment from you. I think that night mm-hmm. saying that you enjoyed the show and shit like that. Especially when you know um, I'm such so, you know I'm such an amazing athlete myself. Yeah, you know it it, meant, it really does mean a lot. And like you played for the Illini, which I didn't know at that time, to be honest. You know, and uh, but my uncle. Is an insane diehard Illini fan. My mom's from Skokie, Illinois. Um, so, you know, putting that together and telling my uncle who, you know, I lost a lot of money for him in real estate to show him that I got one comment from a guy who <laughs> plays in the league <laughs> that your boy made it. You know what I mean? 
And so then I think it was like a year later, you were leaving Portland and I congratulated you on going to Miami. Uh, and then we linked up in Vegas and played cards together. We did. Hell yeah. That, that was a good time, you know, shooting the shit, hanging out, playing a little blackjack, you know. Uh, yeah, man. Small so world, cr- you know, it's crazy how we all connect and then, you know, you stay in touch, but hell yeah, man. Dude, it's so funny when like, because at that thing, it was all NBA players pretty much. Yeah. I, I've never felt like such a little bitch in my life. Then you're always in a conversation with, if you're in a conversation with one seven footer, it's like, it's cool. Like, you know, you're looking down at me. I'm looking up, you know, we're just hanging. But when it's two seven footers talking and you're the third, bro, you just feel like you're not even a human anymore. I felt like I was like, like, I don't know. Like I was still a caveman. Like I was like, I'm still like 40 things away. Like you guys are avatars. And I know you hear that a lot. Is does that get annoying every fucking day to be like, look at that motherfucker. Well, since we're in quarantine, I'm a homebody anyways. So it's been nice. You know, all I do is walk the dog, but now everyone's out of their house. Like, Oh my God, there's Myers. He's walking his dog. Why are you so <laughs> tall, bro? But no, in, in all honesty, it, it's hard to explain. I'm eight, I'm eight, I'm eight years in the NBA now. Obviously, you know this about me. I'm just a real dude who happens to play in the NBA. And I'm very blessed and very thankful. Uh, I live a great life. But um, it does get a little bit annoying. I can understand, like, people are like, like you're saying, even people are, I mean, you're, you're taller than the average. But most people are like, holy shit, he's like a skyscraper. So that gets, an, the only thing that actually really gets to me, I get the, like, shock factor of being tall. However, it's when I'm at like a dinner with very close friends and family or my wife for an anniversary, or we're just trying to have, you know, some us time, but we want to go out instead of sit at the house. As soon as one person sees me and someone has like, not really the nerve to ask for a picture, but they're just like, whatever. Boom. Then it, then everybody in the restaurant knows I'm there. So it's, it's more around the fact that if I'm trying to spend quality time with family or friends, that's when it can get on my nerves. But I, you know, I love, signing autographs, especially for little kids. If it's a little kid, I'm up out of my chair. I don't care. But it's when, like, a 45-year-old dude comes, yo, bro, <laughs> big fan. <laughs> Clearly not a big fan. Just wants a picture. Yeah. So, well, it, it can't get a, I, and also, I, I should mention, uh, fitting in airplanes, fitting in cars, hitting my head on doorways, all of, all very real scenarios. That's the only downside to hitting my head and being in tight spaces. And, I mean, people – Obviously, I mean, have people challenged you in bars a lot? I know you don't really hear about the side of being a big man and being challenged by a drunk guy like almost every fucking night you're out because they want to take on. Yeah, Yeah, they think they got a big set of nuts between their legs. And listen, brother, I'm seven feet, 260. Have you ever ever been in a scrap? Have you been in a scrap? Not really. Uh, Kill a person. I've removed people very quickly by (laughs) like grabbing them by their a shirt or a hoodie and just like it's more to protect my friends because uh, actually I saw my best friend I won't mention his I mean his people know there was was a guy yeah Kevin Uh, (laughs) we were in St. Louis bro and we were all having a great time it was me and like six of my best high school friends and we had you know our cool little VIP section and some guy kept coming he's he's like 6'6 probably all of 225 so my brother was outside drinking a beer hanging out former Marine, the whole shit. So I was like, holy, hopefully he doesn't see this because he's about to whip the piss out of this guy. If that, if this, my best friend, with all due respect to him, he's 5'8", probably 185, but he's, he's a bullheaded mother ever. He grabs his dude by the throat and 
puts him up against the wall. I'm like, wow, okay then. But no, I, normally it's me uh, having to just quickly. I mean, if you just, I mean, it's just, you know. Do you realize how strong you are? Not until I, something <laughs> like that happens where I really have to um, kind of go into like this altered state. I, it would, it, I've said this before to my wife, like if I had to protect her or uh, like a friend or someone in my family, it, I, I'm pretty sure it would get really bad really quick because I like blackout. I, I, I'm a nice guy. Like I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But it, when I hit that blackout mode, which has only happened maybe three or four times in my life, it's not good. Have you ever petted a small dog and killed it? Uh, no, but close. <laughs> I think they get so intimidated by the hand coming in. <laughs> Whammy! That they just... <sighs> they get so scared, you know? Bro, I mean, it's, uh, it's a trying time right now for everybody. The NBA was in the middle of its season. You guys were number four in the East. You were hurt, actually. Your ankle was fucked up. How, yeah. How's your ankle now? Is it a little, I mean, selfishly, is it a blessing in disguise no. that you had t- time no, to recoup? A, that's a great, that's a great point. Honestly, uh, obviously no NBA player, including myself, would ever want this to happen. All I mean, the masters, the, I mean, March madness, everything is gone. It's crazy in our, in our world right now. And a blessing in disguise for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really did hurt myself pretty bad. You know, I have a high pain tolerance and stuff, but, uh, yeah, it was like a grenade went off my ankle. So it um, it was a it was a tough time for me to realize that I had spent seven years in Portland with so many ups and downs, um, battling playing time and de- I mean, de- full transparency. We talked about it. I went through a full year of depression and anxiety. So like I've I've had some trials, man, and to come here and and to be accepted by Heat culture and they really value my work ethic and character. And I was a I'm, I still am a very big leader in our locker room. Um, to have that taken away for the first time after being solidified was tough. But so for my ankle, yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. You know, we all want to play, but at the end of the day, I said this to our beat writers uh, like a week ago or so. Um, the number one thing right now is for everyone to be healthy. And whatever, whatever it takes for that to happen, both in sports and just in the world, is very important. People need to take quarantine serious. I know that, you know, like this is lighthearted and everything, but in all seriousness, we definitely need to take it. Um, <laughs> like the, the only word is serious, man. Like, yeah, we, we I know. I feel careful. you, man. I feel you, especially. I mean, I'm in the middle of it for real up here. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's not we're, as we're, crazy as it looks on the news, but it is pretty fucking uh, intense sometimes. And it yeah, definitely, man. we're all gonna have PTSD from this. We're all gonna have to try to find some kind of new normal. Um, I guess you know when Kevin Love came out with talking about having panic disorder and stuff. How was that taken around the league? You mentioned depression and anxiety. Because, you know, like being a fucking big athlete and, you know, you expect these athletes to be – you don't see them as human a lot. Nope. How did that feel around the league and for yourself when Kevin came out with that publicly and and talking about mental health? I know there's a couple other guys uh, that have done it as well. Uh, Does it it feel good to be – be able to be transparent like that absolutely man i i can say that from my heart you know ultimately you know this again uh i'm all about impact and and positively you know making a a difference in people's lives and so uh when i was going through that it was hard man it was very hard Uh, i've said this before but i had all the money in the world uh beautiful wife great dog big house cars i mean the whole thing 
playing in the NBA, like the, the thing I'm most passionate about. And yet I felt like my chest was caving in every time I was just locking myself away in the house. Then when I would go to the arena, I would have anxiety because I was booed individually by our fans in Portland. Um, now, I went on a high note. You know, they, they're literally chanting my name. I dropped 30 on the Warriors in the West Conference Finals. So, like, honestly, it was a storybook ending. Um, you know, and the thing I would say is that, yes, I feel good that I'm able to come out and be transparent about it. I think that um, it made me who I am today. I've always been one of work ethic and character, as I mentioned earlier. But being able to share an experience with people who are a lot of people who deal with some of these issues, you know, people are scared and they want someone to, it's like, like you said, it's almost like we're robots. I'm a normal guy. Everyone, we, yeah. we all have everyday problems, whether you're rich, poor, tall, short, fat, skinny, doesn't matter. And I've had so many unbelievable messages and people who have reached us and Myers, thank you for being so honest. Um, I actually did a piece for the NBA probably two months ago now, maybe three even. And they wanted to know what I talk about mental health and what I went through. I said, yeah, of course. And again, the response was incredible. So yes, the fact that Caleb was the first that came out and said something, the fact that other guys, including myself, have been willing to say, look, just because I'm an NBA player doesn't mean I'm a robot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person still to the core. And so yeah. when people can relate, that's, that's the biggest compliment honestly, during this quarantine and throughout my career that not only individually, but my wife and I have gotten that you are very relatable. Thank you for sharing and, and putting out good content and what you've gone through and all your experiences. So uh, I know I, I get a bit long winded, but I told you we have all the time no. in the world. So I, I do think it's important, man. It's very important because there are so many people uh, who are going through similar issues that want someone to, to direct Dude, to. If, if someone like, uh, you know, growing up, I also, I dealt with anxiety and I didn't even know what the fuck was wrong with me. Yeah. You know, I just thought toughen up, man up. You hear that a lot, man up. Yeah. And if uh, someone like, you know, Michael Jordan or someone like whatever, Shaquille O'Neal or someone was just like, yeah, you know what? I deal with dark times too. I have anxiety. I get panicked. Back then, like when I was going through it, I would have probably have gone to therapy quicker. Yeah. I would have been able to, uh, to, uh, be more public about it with my own parents. You know, a lot of times you won't even tell your own family. And, uh, and I just, I don't know. I feel like we're growing as a culture to be that it is manly to have feelings and to cry and to get help. And I think, you know, coming from strong uh, sports figures, I mean, that's huge. And um, so, but uh, what was I going to, so being in Portland and then being in Miami, I always wondered this, you know, sorry, I think we got food here. But uh, <laughs> Portland, cloudy, it's kind of in the mountains, uh, you know, it's a little grungy. And then now you got Miami, you got the palm trees. What, how much does environment affect you as a player and you mentally at, when you're in the NBA? Yo, so anyways, we, uh, <laughs> your internet, <laughs> your shitty ass internet. Oh, man. Up. So frustrating. I mean, bro, it's time to pay your bill. I mean, you know, I mean, why don't you get someone to do that for you, dude? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. It's so Bro, you're just, you're just like the rest of us, you know? Right? You're just a normal guy uh. with shitty-ass internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking, so I was asking, like, you said you were depressed when you were playing in Portland, obviously, uh, depending on how you're playing, but, like, does environment, 
like now you're in Miami, you got the palm trees, there's like a new life, uh, the sun's out, you could jet ski. Like, does it, how much does environment uh, affect an NBA player um, being in a big market versus a small market? And like, do you think it, it, it uh, like that mental stability, it definitely affects it, the environment that you're in? No question. It absolutely does. I mean, that's like, you know, what type of work environment is the average person going through? Um, you know, you're always on the road. So what is that like for you? Do you enjoy the people you hang out with? Like the, con- the connections that you have with the people you're around the most yeah. is important. And just the work environment in general, as you mentioned. So yes, um, you know, we already touched on it, but in Portland, it was tough, man. I, I loved it there. I honestly, I truly believe um, that when Damian Lillard and I were drafted in 2012 together from there, there was a culture that was built and we didn't make the playoffs my rookie year. Uh, but for six straight years, we made the playoffs and that was all built on culture. You know, we're a small market team, you know, how do we continue to win games and improve? It was all based upon true professionalism and, and our, our willingness to work very hard every day and have focused work. And, you know, in the NBA, it can become a bit of a business occasionally and let's say a guy's in a contract year that may impact the way he, or not, not even if he wants to, his team of people may be saying like, yo, you got to go get yours tonight. You got to make sure you get your numbers. That's not winning basketball. And that's why here in Miami, I can attest to the fact that Miami heat culture that everyone talks about very real thing. Again, let me say this. Um, I'm thankful for my time in Portland. We, we built an amazing culture. We won there and I learned so much about myself as a man, as a player, but uh, here in Miami, I've been very, very welcomed. And I'm much, I'm, I'm much different, of course. I came to the league when I was 20 years old. You know, I went to the University of Illinois for two years, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm in the NBA making millions of dollars and trying to find my way. And so here I am, eighth season in Miami, and, and just the environment is so inviting for me personally. I love what they're about. Their preseason conditioning test, it sucked. But, I, of course, I got through it because I was ready. I was in shape. Um, they are built on loyalty and, and you know, professionalism and – work ethic, all those things are who Myers Leonard is to his core. So yes, you're absolutely right in the fact that your environment matters. And again, I love Portland, but I've heard other places can be a complete disaster. You know, people from the outside looking in think, oh, the NBA's, you know, this glorious lifestyle. And it's, yeah, of course it is, you know, in, in a lot of ways, but then a lot of ways you may be stuck in a bad situation where either a, you're behind in the rotation or the coach doesn't like you, or, you know, you're, you're a vet, but you're on a young team that's playing young guys because they don't care about winning. Like there's so many different factors that people can begin to realize, but yeah, I did have a lot of struggle, but I looking back on it now, I wouldn't change for anything because I've been able to impact people through the, through that struggle. Now that being said, Portland has a ton of strip clubs. (laughs) Most per capita. (laughs) Most per capita. I don't know if they're hotter strippers than the Miami strippers. Do you think the amount of strip clubs per the city (laughs) can affect the basketball team? I know you're Um, a married man, so you don't really partake in that that much. But mm -hmm. I'm kidding about this. I mean, I'm not kidding about the strip clubs. No, I'll I'll answer answer gladly. Yeah, yeah, nightlife. Gladly. So, so, uh, I am married. I am faithful uh, to my core, and that will always be the case. However, for young single guys, there's like South Beach flu. Real thing. We have a home court advantage, not only because we're on our home court, but because oh, so when teams come in, they got to go out in Miami. Like that's just the thing. Unless you're on a back-to-back, you're probably going out in Miami. Unless you're on a back-to-back in LA, you're probably going out in LA. Same thing with New York. 
say there was Chicago, Toronto. I would say those are the biggest. So when yes. the Raiders move to Vegas, they're gonna they're gonna have a home court home team. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, think about that. Yeah, dude, that's so. Yeah, also, people want to have fun. I I fly. You know, before this all ended, I was on tour with Nikki. Yeah, and I, I was flying every weekend. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, cross country, crazy shit. And then yeah. you guys have eight. What like eighty two games a year? Yep. How much does that affect you? Because when people don't fly that much, they don't realize, you know, how fucking – like, it just does something to you where you're like, oh, I have energy, and then an hour later or, like, the next day, you're, like, shot. So how much does that affect how you play away games? Like, I mean – Let me just ask you frankly. I think you just said it, but it could become hard, right? Jet lag is a real thing. Am I right? 100%, dude. Okay, and, I'm not, and I'm doing 20 minutes talking, you know, now, with a list. Now, <laughs> shut the hell up. God damn it. So, uh, put, put this in perspective. We're, I'm playing against the best athletes in the world, 450 of us. I fly, let's say we're going on a West Coast trip. We fly as a team from Miami all the way to Phoenix. Playing Phoenix. That, that game's going to be okay because we fly the day before. But think about the normal person. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I just flew, whatever, four hours. I'm tired. Nope, we're playing against Phoenix Suns the next night. After that game, we get on a plane, we go to L.A. We play a back-to-back. After getting off another plane, after playing a full game and playing the next night of only sleeping, get up, team meeting, eat, nap, go to the arena, play again against LeBron and the Lakers or Kawhi and Paul George and the Clippers. Okay. We then fly from L.A. more than likely and or stay the night. Probably stay the night because it's L.A., but let's just say we leave for this matter. We fly to Portland. We get to Portland. We have one day off. This is a four and five, they call it. So you play back-to-back. You fly to the next city, take a day off. You play the next night, which, by the way, we just got off another plane, the whatever, fourth or fifth plane at this point. We play against Portland Trailblazers. Boom. Now we fly that night at probably 11.30, get into Utah at – one, most guys can't go to sleep. They're asleep by three to four. They sleep. We have our team meeting. Now we're playing another back-to-back, four and five nights. It's very real. Again, I said this earlier. We're very blessed. I, most of us. You I don't have to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So, but, yeah, it, it can yeah. be It can be. How's really, your body? What does your fucking body feel like? I mean, it's got to. Bro, I, I, you feel like you're going to war. People think, oh, the NBA soft. No. <laughs> Watch me play. Watch me yeah. play. How many screens? How many times do I actually I, – I box out. Like, that, that's, yeah. that's a big thing. Like, I am I – am, I could say this with confidence, and I said this, again, I mentioned earlier to so our beat writers. I'm okay with being a, a role player. I've come to accept that in my career. I'm not a superstar. But guess what? I'm making good money. I love what I do, and I love to be an X Factor of sorts for our team. But I know that means setting good screens, spacing the floor, being unselfish, boxing out, allowing Bam to fly in for rebounds. Commu- uh, you know, Spo and our whole staff talks about my communication. I'll be honest, it's off the charts. I don't know many that are like me that understand scouting reports and this, that, and the other. That all takes an Im- immense amount of energy. Bro, let me just tell you, before I got hurt, I was like, holy shit. Because this was my first time ever playing real minutes consistently throughout an entire year. That's just there's nothing even as a superior athlete that you can do if you haven't gone through that grind. Um, I always work incredibly hard behind the scenes and everything like that, but it's hard, bro. It is. I mean, we're, you know, you're playing against the best athletes. I mean, I'm, you know, say, I say we play just a, a quick back-to-back and we go from playing 
Joel Embiid is the best five in the NBA, in my opinion. And I guard him individually. And box his big ass out, which he's about 290, 300 pounds. <laughs> and then the next night we're playing a back-to-back in Boston. And we're, you know, they have a good string of players. It's just like, it, it's very physically taxing, bro. Like, it's, the NBA is no joke, man. Like, it is a freaking physical battle out there. People have no idea what they're talking about. They think the NBA is soft. Now, okay, so the speed mm. of the game, I mean, so you come, maybe we could take it back a little bit because I yeah. was reading about your story. I mean, you're from a small town of like 7,000 people, Robinson, yeah. Illinois, or Robertson or Robinson? Robinson, you had it. Yeah. Robinson, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know how you feel about bringing this up, but you know, your, your, okay. your, your pops passed away when you were young. Yeah. You dealt with that. Uh, in a in a in a sad you know whatever we don't have to talk about the accident yeah. or whatever yeah, happened yeah. Uh-huh. but like and then your mom you know so you were dealing with a, you know a tough time at home I yeah. I read that you found another family that like kind of took you in which was huge yep. but like so coming from a small town coming you know you know you're you're deal you're not <laughs> to go from that to mm-hmm. To just to go play at Illinois. I mean, maybe take me into your small town. You won a state championship. When did you know, like, you had talent to possibly play in the NBA? Yeah. Uh, when did when did you kind of start getting that dream and, like, when it became a reality? I mean, I, I picture you playing on, like, a grass court, you know? <laughs> like, with no like – who, like, Yeah, yeah. Hoosier with, like, an egg crate. And you're shooting, like, with an old, you know, rubber shoe. Sure. And, like – you're like, wow, because, I mean, whatever. So, yeah, maybe take me back yeah. to Robinson, Illinois. I'd love to, man. Yeah, thank you for asking, honestly. I, I, I don't mind. I, I love sharing my story for those who, who want to listen. I I grew up in a small town, like you said, Robinson, Illinois. Uh, my father passed when I was six uh, to a tragic accident. Um, my mom was then raising my brother and I, Bailey. Uh, he's a year and a half older than I am. And he – I'll just jump into him quickly. Um, Marine Corps, two tours to Afghanistan – um i saw that video with you two in illinois when when he came to the court it's a beautiful thing but yeah yeah, i I, I literally can't watch it uh it's still it it will make me tear up i'm an emotional guy anyways but i can't watch it so so that that was his deal he was a marine now i now i have his niece excuse me his daughter and son and my niece and nephew god I, i miss him like crazy uh he's got a great wife and so um that's that's bailey that's my brother i you know i obviously love him to death and he kind of protected me as a youngster. But we, we didn't have much, man. I'll, I'll be honest. When my father passed, my mom was trying to figure it out. And um, admittedly, we, we slept on the floor with no electricity, no running water. So I've been there, done that. Uh, there was times when there was no food in the cabinets. You know, it's uh, – but – Is that why you grew late? <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? right late, late. Myers is a late bloomer. He had, he had no uh, not, not much food in the body. All of a sudden, boom, he's got those calories pumping. No, but in all seriousness. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 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 no, yeah. No, it's okay. No, you're good. Um, I think that, again, same as what I said about Portland. I wouldn't change for anything. I wouldn't change my childhood for anything because yeah. I think that instilled something deep in me that I, I just can't fail. I can't fail because of my family. I can't fail because of my own internal drive. Um, I just am so thankful for every real-life experience, whether I was young um or now and so i I did i did have a bit if you've seen the movie the blind side uh the football movie um the young kid is taken in by a family that's kind of what happened to me Uh, my mom was doing her best but we didn't have much and so uh, can i ask you a question 
Yeah, One absolutely. Question. Were you seven feet when they took you in? Uh, you, well, I mean, actually, I, I, I started knowing them in third grade. So it went from like going to church with them, um, like once or twice a month to every Sunday to join them after Sunday for like lunch at, at the grandma's house and that sort of thing. And then it became once I got to high school, bro, I was again, I was seven feet. I was still kind of thin. I mean, I'm seven feet 260 right now. In high school, I was seven feet by the end of my senior year and about, um, probably 220. I mean, I was pretty thin. How and tall were you uh freshman year? Yeah, that's a good one. I, I was just, I was I just making a joke about that because it's just funny. Like, like taking in like a superior athlete. It's like, <laughs> it's like, Hmm, you know, it's like, <laughs> would you take him in if he was five, four? Come no, on. No, no. Yeah. I, didn't I know. know. I'm just messing around. I'm a, I know. I know. I know. Um, but, um, so my yeah. freshman year, I was six, four, bro. And I literally, I, I can, I can tell you for sure. My feet, my low back and my knees hurt like crazy. I was like, what is going on? During my whole freshman year, I grew six inches in a half a year, so like an inch a month. Uh, yeah, crazy. So I shot up to 6'10", and then the next couple of years, I grew to seven feet. How so, tall was your dad and mom? I'm just wondering. Dad, 6'4". My mom is six feet um, and thin and lean like me. So that I kind of get my build from her. Uh, but okay. my, again, my dad is 6'4". My, bro- my, my brother Bailey is 6'4", and I have a half brother who's 6'8". So uh, definitely a tall family. But yeah. so yeah, I grew literally after basketball season – prior to me knowing I was growing like a freaking weed out of the ground, I told my athletic trainer, who is awesome, unbelievable guy, I love him to this day, he, I told him, like, crying in the gym, I, I'm quitting basketball because I didn't, I didn't play on varsity. All I did was dress. I didn't get a play. I was like, I'm quitting basketball. I'm, I'm focused on baseball. He's like, no, you're not. Right there, he stopped me. We're getting in the weight room. We're going to get up extra shots, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I ended up getting on the AAU circuit, getting a lot of, you know, uh, noise because I can move and I can shoot and I had good touch and, like, just a natural feel for the game. And all of a sudden, boom, now I got everybody flooding in every college around the country. And I'm like, I want to stay home. I'm a loyal dude. So I go to Illinois. Uh, Obviously I stayed there two years, got drafted by Portland. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah. yeah. Um, So growing late. So you kind of played more like a two or a three. I was always a little bit bigger than everybody. So it was more like a four ish only because of the town I come from. If I was from a big city, yeah. I might have been forced to play something different, but because I was bigger than everybody, I was always – that's kind of a, a, a hiccup in where, I don't know, the internet got that from. So um, Yeah, I asked that because, you know, you know, look at like Anthony Davis, uh, mm-hmm. David Robinson, uh, uh, who else grew – Rodman grew 10 inches as a 21-year-old. Yeah. I mean, that's an – he was working at an airport. He was a six-foot guy at an airport. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I can't grow an inch. I fucking I stopped at like eleven. Right. Um, my point being though is like, do you think it helps to grow later because you learn on f- fundamentals as a smaller guy, or is it better yeah. to shoot up as like a seventh grader? Because you see so many sixth graders that are like yeah. already six nine, six ten. Do you think it's better to be smaller and have a growth spurt later? I do think so. I think it allows honestly for your. This is going to get a little scientific, I guess, but for you, for your, like your motor systems and your like your skill level, it helps to, to work on all of that. Now, these days, I would say like it was after I was in high school because I was only working on big man stuff. But I would always, after practice and before practice, get up jump shots to work on my shot. That's one of my things. Like I can't handle the ball like Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis was a guard. So, yes, I think being a light bloomer is good. And also, but the difference is today they have bigs working on all of that. 
because you, they realize now how versatile you need to be to not only impact, you know, the college level, but then the NBA level. So I, I'm blessed in the fact that I decided that I just wanted to be a good shooter and not just work on jump hooks all day. I was bored as hell doing that. I was like, hell no. I want to shoot like the guards. I didn't work on ball handling and things of that nature. But yeah, I, I do think that being a late bloomer is good. I mean, it, it allows for your, I mean, first, your body will catch up. But again, you kind of develop these skills and maybe your footwork's a little better and, you know, different things that, and your work ethic, your work ethic is going to be stronger because you're not, you know, if you're just a big man and you're, you could just turn and hit layups all day, exactly. you're going to get fucking bored. You're going to, you know, you're not going to work on your game. I mean, it would have been crazy if you decided to quit basketball, play baseball, and then grow that seven inches and then just be a seven foot fucking, I mean, what position would you have played in baseball? Well, First base? No, I had a cannon, bro. I, I, uh, I oh, you were a hard. pitcher? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And people were scared of me because I was big. I was like the big unit up there, like Randy Johnson, baby, throwback, Diamondbacks, you know? Yeah, uh, kill that bird. Yeah. Dude, what <laughs> – quickly, what are the chances? Jesus Christ. That's a – Bro. It's unreal. Bro. But, no, I, I, I was throwing hard as a youngster uh, in the 80s, like, when I was young. So, um, probably could have made it work, but not – I mean, uh, I'll, I'll stick yeah. This has been pretty good to me. <laughs> Freaking uh, – so you then you uh, you won the state championship, right? We did, man. I swear to God. We've had – we always knew, even early, it was more obviously the grown-ups, like the dads, knew that we had an athletic group um, and that we should all stay together and, you know, not, not move, don't move for a job, whatever. We said, I swear to God, in fifth grade, we want to win a state championship. And we did it, man. It was crazy. Like, I, there's a picture of me with my hand over the top of, of, of actually the, the oldest son of the family that adopted me and my other, other best friend who played. And, and my head's down only because the moment I knew we were going to win, the, I just got goosebumps I'm talking about this. The moment I knew we were going to win that game, and by the way, we shouldn't have. There's no way. we. It was honestly like our culture, like our togetherness, our willingness to win. I, I put my head down because I was about to tear up because I, again, I'm an emotional person, but the fact that we made that commitment and that goal as fifth graders and that we did it our senior years of high school together was just, I mean, it's like another storybook type ending for all of us because it was just so emotional. So, um, so surreal. Do you still, to have do you still talk like, to those guys? I, I, I oh, saw, yeah. you know, LeBron is very close with his high school guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's kind of a similar story in a way where they came up together. Um, I saw a beautiful uh, video. It's kind of a side note. Uh, Kobe, obviously, and we don't, yeah. you know, we don't have to rest get into peace, that. Rest but in peace, Kobe. Yeah, man. Uh, he had a point guard, this little white Jewish, not little white, but a, a Jewish guy yeah. who went and interviewed him like years later, and they just connect. You could just feel that connection with a high school player. Oh, that yeah. maybe you don't get in college. Maybe you don't get in the NBA where it's just like, we played this for the love. I mean, we shot yeah. on a milk crate with an old yeah. shoe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, are you still close with those guys? Dude, it's so funny you asked that. So, obviously speaking, I'm probably the most busy of everyone from that group. Just circumstantial. But everyone's got jobs. You know, a couple of them got kids. This, that, and the other. We had a, a Zoom happy hour the other night. And it, let me tell you, that was the first time. Actually, that's... Uh, second time since my wedding, um, which was well, I'm coming up on five years. So five years ago that we were all together, either virtually or in person, um, drinking, we were all drinking beer and just, you know, shooting the shit and, and, and telling old stories, man. Like 
there's something about having that again, it's in my heart, but having that deep connection with people who, who, you know, me personally, I know they care about me. They don't give a shit about my money. They don't give a shit about the NBA. They care about Myers Leonard, the man. So yeah. that's what, that's what means something to me because as you continue to move up, things just change. The, you know, people's motives are different, you know, to be honest, the reason I like you is number one, cause you're funny. But number two, you didn't give a shit that I was in the NBA. You were just like, yo, you're, you're fucking cool. Yeah. So I don't, you, I can sniff it out much easier than I could of course eight years ago, but there's people coming from left and right trying to get your money and just to be friends with Myers Leonard of the Miami Heat. No, no. That's why I still have a small circle of friends who, who I rock with. Like that's I, what it is like, if we could take like a positive from like right now and like this time is like, Five years you weren't with your boys, but it took this to slow down and to have the time to realize, oh, maybe it is important to check in as a group. And that feeling that you probably felt with them, oh, like man. you're not going to wait another five years to do that because no. you know what? We do have time when we're, we're always pushing. Like, yeah. yeah, especially you, you know what I mean? Like you're always pushing. It's like, oh, and maybe you need to sleep. Maybe you need to do this. Maybe you got to do that. Like your agent wants you to do this, but it's like, no, I'm going to take an hour. I'm going to fucking talk to my small forward from, you know, my, my, Dude, my you're team. Absolutely, and, you're absolutely right. And like those little things, man, hopefully like that's the thing. Like we can reconnect right now with like old friends and shit yeah. that hopefully people take that with them when this is over, you know? Yeah, man. I, I, Again, you said there's going to be a new normal. You're absolutely right. Think about going to a concert. Were you going to be comfortable if someone sneezes next to you? Probably not. So, like, everything's going to change. But you are right. Like, everyone has been forced almost to think of what matters most to them. And, like, damn, I need that personal connection. Like, now that you're forced in the house, you can't really go anywhere. People are realizing, like, okay, I can't sit here and look at my phone all day. Like, yeah, generally fill our lives with, hopefully a lot of positive things and, and, and goal driven uh, objectives. But to be fair, a lot of, some people like for me, I like gaming, but I, I do it on Twitch and I, I, I impact people through that. But the point is, is you're absolutely right. You know, Ellie and I, my wife, we sat down the day after the NBA news dropped that season suspended, sat down at breakfast the next day. And we said, okay, this is not a time to just sit on our hands and do nothing. It's quite the opposite. This is time that now we have, we wouldn't have otherwise had number one, number two, how do we impact people and how do we improve ourselves as individuals? And then us as a couple. So number one, quality time has been amazing. I'm, I'm normally on the road. We get to spend more time together. That's been awesome. Uh, also we're generating content for our level foods, protein bars. You know, I'm streaming on switch. I raised $70,000 in 24 hours and I got a goal of feeding 1 million people in the month of April. Currently waiting on a very big brand to possibly drop a huge like donation. So it's all Hell about yeah. impact, man, at the end of the day. So like you said, this is not a time for people to just do nothing. It's actually time to sit back, create goals, like legit goals, like shit. I can't do what I normally do, but let me, let me focus and realize when this all gets better, what can I do to improve myself as an individual? Do I, do I improve my relationship? Do I uh, call my family more? Like what is it that will help me improve my life and also improve my happiness and joy? Because um, I've been a part of a couple different communities on my phone where people have been so thankful that I just reach out and say, Hey, good morning guys. Um, hope you're doing well. Just got done with my morning run. I want you guys to know, like we have a choice to do something right here, right yeah. now. Like, yeah. 
you have the choice, you have the time, do it, set goals, you know, improve yourself. So I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's what I've been trying to do. You know, like I kept my podcast going. I know it's not like, but it's like, I've kept laughter going in these times where I think people really need it. And I get, you know, it means a lot when I get messages about that stuff, you know, and, uh, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't know. It's awesome. And I just like, what, what do you feel like when, 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 uh, what do you feel like you can work on now for your game for the NBA? Like with this time off, like where do you think your strengths are and your weaknesses and and how do you get better and how do you keep that drive? Like, so you're 28 is your body. Is it, do you feel more athletic now? Do you feel than you've ever been do you still feel that drive of like when you were a senior going after the state championship like how does that yeah man know? no doubt it's definitely a progression right like the goal in high school is win a championship then i went to and then we could go to illinois actually we could take it back yeah and then, yeah so yeah, yeah. so the goal in high school is a championship boom we win it now i mean i've been committed since my sophomore summer boom i know i'm going to illinois so boom i get to illinois i don't play my freshman year that's a hurdle how do I fix this? I make a USA basketball team that summer due to my drive and work ethic to, to get better. So I'm on the under 19 USA team. Boom. So that's another hurdle. And to answer your question, that's the moment when I knew after playing against all the international players and all the best players around the world, I was like, damn, I got a chance. I know I didn't play my freshman year, but I can feel myself really getting better. And that's also when I met my wife, which she is a huge, huge motivation in my life. And she taught you how to shoot a jump shot. Well, true story. <laughs> how did true you story. know? When did you know how good she could shoot? And Dude, true story. I'm dead ass serious. I tried getting her number one. She wouldn't give it to me. True, wait, true. wait, wait. What happened? Wait, what happened? All right. So I'm out, I'm out with a teammate. Uh, a high school. Or excuse me. I'm out with a teammate. College senior. Good buddies with him, of course. And the season's over. So I'm, I, I didn't really go out. But, I'm, you know, why not? I'm a college guy. I'm going to go out. So I go out with him one night. And I see my wife, Ellie, across the bar. And I'm like, yo, who is that? He's like, oh, it's Ellie. You never, you never seen her out? I'm like, bro, I don't go out much. I was like, bro, I don't got the balls. You got to go ask her for her number for me. She said, no, I'm not interested in athletes. I'm like, oh, shots of the pride. So we ended up actually getting connected through the same teammate because he knew a couple other sorority girls, whatever. So I get Ellie's number. We start texting. I actually go, I ask her to go on a date. No. Like, all right. I ask her again. No. Third time's the charm. I, I say, hey, you know, I, I just want to hang out. I, I promise you I'm a good guy. She's like, <laughs> you know what? I don't want to go on a date. I want to go shoot jumpers. I'm like, perfect. I'm broke as hell. I don't have money for dinner, and I can shoot. So we go to the gym. We get there. Start just shooting around. I'm like, wait a minute. She can kind of shoot a little bit. <laughs> I mean, let me, t- let me put this to the test. So I, I, I generally do, like, as a warm-up, five shots from five spots, the corner, the elbow, like, kind of the top of the key, the elbow in the other corner. She knocks down 22 out of 25, and I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? 
So I, we ended up like shooting for probably two to three hours and we talked for like another two, just chilling, literally sitting on the basketball floor. And that's how we got to, or she got to know that I'm a good guy, number one. And number two, they like. What did you shoot out of 25? I think I might have beat her. I think I got 23. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, but I, Damn. yeah. That, I mean, that's what I've built my NBA career on is shooting. So that's, yeah. that's what I've always prided myself on. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's literally how we met. Like, I'm like, yo, how is this possible? So anyways, so high school's, you know, state championship, boom, meet my wife on, on the, on the 19 team, sophomore year explosion, boom. I average like 12 and nine and a few blocks, whatever. And I get the advice, like, yo, it's a, it's a good time for you. I think you should, you should see if you can go to the NBA, like test the waters. Sure enough. Everyone said, like, eh, maybe late first round. But because of my shooting at the NBA draft combine, I'll never forget. My wife was so proud of me. It's, it's, like, it's like a goofy moment for me to bring up. But I, I Can have you to, take like, me to the combine? Yeah, take me to the combine. And, like, the – Yeah. Because it's so different than, like – I feel like the NFL combine, you, you got to run. you got to bench. But the NBA, yeah. what if your DePaul feels like a watermelon that day? Like, basketball yeah. – it's so fucking mental. I remember I would come off the bench, and I'm not trying to – but, like, yeah. I would come off the bench, and, like, I would have to back up point guard, so I only come in when, you know, the starting point yeah. guard had five – so I'm coming in against a press with the ball. The fans are right here. You know what I mean? And that's, like – I just remember yeah. the stress. So, so, so take so, me into the combine. Yeah, man. So I'm like, at the combine in Chicago. Again, I, I in my head know that I can start to creep my way up the draft boards. And, you know – Every GM, every scout, I call it maybe 75 of those people. You, you see, like, Miami Heat on their shirt. And then you see, literally every team in there. It's so crazy. Like, 20-year-old. I've worked very hard up to this point, by the way. Um, and so, there we are. There's two courts. One, you know, we, we did a bunch of drills, shooting, three-on-three, three, like, one-on-one, -on -one, all types of stuff. And I had done really well. But then there was another shooting portion where – Everyone, I could tell, like, everyone was watching my basket, like, the hell, this dude can really shoot the rock. So, boom, all of a sudden, they want me to go on TV, on ESPN. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? So, I do an interview, uh, uh, like, this little courtside interview there at this little gym. And they asked me about, like, my jump shot and, like, yo, you've really made a name for yourself here. How do you feel? I was like, look, I'm just working hard, you know. I'm blessed for this opportunity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, sure enough, I get drafted by Portland 11th. And, you know, now the goal is, okay, how do I – how do I continue to well, well, take myself? me to that? You got drafted. Like Dude, I was in New York. Uh, my wife, <laughs> uh, my family, and all my best friends are there. Like, so surreal, man. Like, again, I'm talking about going from sleeping on the, on the floor, no, <laughs> no electricity, no running water, to now I'm in New York City, which I've never been to, with my future wife, all my best friends, and all my family. And – here I am about to get drafted. I know for sure I'm going in the lottery, but where am I, where am I going? I'm in the green room, like, boom, I get drafted 11 by Portland. Just the emotion and, like, that was, like, a lifelong dream, you know? Like, it's just, man, I, I don't know. Do you take snapshots at, the, at that time and, like, okay, I got I to gotta take this. Like, this is special. Like, yes. right? Like, I can I mean, vividly remember sitting at my green room table. So you got, um, let's see, I think it was a table of eight. So I had seven people at my table, and it was just like I can I can I can remember the big draft board up there, like with all the teams and you know the slot waiting to get put, who got drafted, and man, it was just so crazy. Like, uh, isn't it weird? Um, I don't know if this is off topic, but it's okay. 
uh, when you, I mean, it kind of feeds back into the anxiety and depression stuff and yeah. how, you know, I'll do stand, I've done stand up now for about 10 years and, uh, there can be times where I feel so like I have no skills now compared to when you have this like blind confidence, sure. you know, back then. So like when you were at Illinois, when you were in high school, even maybe your first couple of years in the league, yeah. maybe you didn't even like take it in or have as much, you weren't as anxious, maybe sure. dealing with things because you didn't really, I don't know. There's just for certain reasons. Like yeah, you could, you could play more basketball and get, less confident right for sure so here's here's how i'll put it high school no pressure like yeah sure i'm going to illinois you know there's pressure on me to perform well but not like not like the league then i get to college i didn't play but i was like all right i just got to keep working on my game you know I, everyone wants to play well every athlete at some point has performance anxiety like oh man i gotta play well tonight whatever not the same boom i get to the nba same thing young you know just just trying to find my way boom like that that middle stretch, year four and five. Year five in the NBA was by far the worst year of my life. We already talked about it, the depression, the anxiety, the whole thing, getting booed. It was, it was bad. Um, so at that point, I realized, okay, what – how do I get through this and why is this – like why am I putting so much pressure on myself? It's like I've never shot a basketball. Like what the heck? And so now, though, it, that's gone. Sure, there will be moments where I'm like, all right, I didn't play very – I didn't play really well last night. Boom, I got a game in two days. I'll be fine. So, now, I think the thing about the NBA for me right now and how I – just me as a man, I know who I am, period. When I walk through those doors every day, there's two things that no one will ever question about Myers Leonard. That's character and work ethic. I'm always going to be a great guy, a great teammate. You know, yes, sir, no, ma'am, the whole thing. Uh, and I'm also going to put the work in. My teammates know that. The staff knows that. It's just who I am and how I'm wired. And once again, I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of a culture here in Miami that accepts me for that and, 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 and loves me for that, really. Again, I've had a huge impact in this locker room. And so no matter if I want to stream on Twitch or if I – last night on Twitter, for example, in the past I would have been nervous to do this, but, but a guy named John who's – I've seen his tweets. I always like his tweets. I always comment back. He's like – Man, you know what would be awesome if Myers Leonard, my favorite player, he takes a video of himself. He's first of all, he customized the University of Illinois jersey, which were no longer available. He's got three Miami jerseys. He's got my jersey in the background hanging on the wall from Portland. He's got a hammer hanging on the wall for Christ's sake. To say the least, this dude's a big fan of mine. And I've known him for years. And he said, you know what? An awesome thing right now during this time would be if I can get a cheers from Myers Leonard. So I I watched the video a couple different times and I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to make an impact. Not not just not, not for the social, you know, yeah. uh, recognition, but because this dude is like, I said to him, John, first of all, thank you for being such a big fan. And secondly, you should know how much that actually really means to me because you can pick somebody else as your favorite player, but you pick me. And that means a lot to me. And so I, I showed him my Coors, of course, because the Coors Light's the only way. And I said, so here's a toast to you, brother. Like, I hope you're doing well. Thank you for being a big fan. And I, you know, I crank it back and whatever. I would have been nervous to put that out before. Not now, because my teammates know who I am. Everyone, yeah. I, I've solidified myself. So, you know, I, I think things are just changing um, and are changed. I, I'm comfortable in who I am as a man every day of my life. If I, if I have to snap on somebody because I know that what they're doing is not right or they're in, they're in my house doing what 
they shouldn't be doing or whatever. I'm okay with standing on my own two feet and being firm, you know, and, and I just, you, I just know what I stand for. Do you feel like you put more pressure on your, after you signed that, you know, the big contract is that, Ooh, I mean, what yes. does that do when you, you know, uh, everyone, you see it a lot. I mean, in all sports where it's like, after the dude signs a big contract, it's like, cause you're working hard to get that deal. Right. Like, of course. Of course. Like, but then once you get that deal, now there's expectations. Boom, now, perfect word. They, they might not be real. You know, yeah. these outside expectations, those aren't real. You know, nothing changed except yeah. for the number associated when someone looks up Myers Leonard contract. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. So, so what does that, what does that do when, when you, when it's you get true, that man. kind of money to your, to pressure and to like your motivation? And you, know, you could overdo it, right? You can over, uh, your expectations, they can be too high in a sense because, like, if you underperform, then I don't know. You know what I mean, though? It's like, yes, yes, yes. I got you. Yeah, so, yeah. yes, you, you nailed it. Expectations are a very real thing as an NBA player, period. But also, if you sign a big deal, now that comes – the, the old saying goes, to whom much is given, much is expected. So, if you're a superstar – caliber player boom a lot is expected of you both in the media with fans their expectations of how you play how you uh, interact with the community everything and so when I signed that big deal I knew that um, I still had work to do and I, I will always continue to, to improve my game and and show people my willingness to do that uh, but admittedly I did have ups and downs in Portland and it was hard it was very hard that fifth season again was was tough man I was trying to figure it out uh, I had just come off so shoulder surgery. Uh, I, I fell out of the rotation. I was ill. I had internal medicine issues that I couldn't figure out. I mean, I not only did I have the mental piece, but the I felt horrible physically. And so it was it was a nightmare. And yeah. the expectations are very, very real. Um, and I guess in some ways it's fair, right? They're, they love the team. And, and because you signed this contract, you should whatever perform to their expectations. But at the same time, we're still human. We're not robots. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to have a bad game. And so that's just the reality of, of what it is. So I, I do think that you're right. You know, expectations come with uh, bigger yeah. contracts and it, it was hard on me for a period of time. And There's I, something too, like where like people are always just like oh, this on, I don't want to get off topic again. I know I'm okay. like scatterbrained a little you're, bit, but when, when, and when you do, um, you know, you're talking about, you know, raising the money and stuff. And then you see shit like in the news where like, you know, with the LeBron, like shut up and dribble shit like that. And it's like, oh, you want me to shut up and dribble. But then when there's a crisis and I'm raising thousands, it's like, oh, now I could step up and talk, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's like, really, I, w I wanted just to get to that because like, sure. What was that like in the league when you hear shit like that? And because, you know, even as a stand up, they're like, why are you getting political? Just be funny. And yeah, it's like, yeah. First of all, uh, we, we all have our own platforms and we all choose to do what we want with those platforms. Yours happens to be comedy. And by the way, I, I don't want to express my opinion too much on this because yeah. I don't know your field the way you do. However, I think that within, within certain guidelines, you should be able to say whatever the hell you want to be funny. People shouldn't come to your show if they don't like if they don't think that comedy is going to be, uh, I don't know, a little ruthless every now and then, or um, you know, not dark. Like you have, like, what, yeah. But what about generate, <laughs> what like, about NBA players? Content? 
What about NBA players? This is the thing with the NBA, right? Like, uh, with you remember when, like, when everyone had to be PC, you know, and everyone had to be like, you know, oh, we had a good game, we played yeah. good defense, help yeah. side D, and then you would have moments where, like, Iverson was like, practice. We're talking about <laughs> practice. We want to talk about, and it was such a real moment yeah. that it. It stood out because we were still living in a fake fucking world that athletes weren't real people. Amen. But now you have athletes where you're showing everything to the point yep. where it's like nothing's really standing out unless, you know, you, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you wear a yellow suit on top of a purple Lamborghini. Like, like you yeah. have to like really like be crazy to really stand out in the NBA these days. But I don't know really where I'm going with that. But point being is like nothing's that shocking in the NBA. And yeah. do you think that that's a good thing, though? I think that it's just like yeah, everybody has their own platform. Everybody, you know, there's guys that are into fashion, there's guys that are into cars, there's guys that are into real estate and save a shitload of money and build a massive, you know, <laughs> like I heard that Luol Deng has built like a hundred million dollar profile in real estate alone. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's crazy. Like yeah. my wife and I, you know, very wisely have have invested our money because we ain't going broke. I'm not. I'm not going back yeah. to that. I've been there, done that. So, uh, you know, I, I think to answer your question about, you know, all the different – how different people view NBA players and I'll oh, just shut up and dribble or whatever, whoever, whomever it may be, NBA players should be able to have opinions outside of basketball. And hopefully they're making um, informed decisions, whether it be – we you know, to be honest, we're always told by our media staff, like, you kind of have to be careful about politics, religion, race, things of that nature, as does everybody. But you also can't hide from the fact that there are, are real things going on every day in our world. And I, one thing I would just say is that on the whole, the only reason is it, it just blows my mind that people aren't able to kind of be somewhere in the middle where, okay, I don't really agree with them, but it doesn't mean you have to hate them, yeah. you know, or, you know, I just, I don't get how people just don't love each other. It's, it's just so bizarre yeah. to me. That That's honestly what it, what it ultimately comes down to. People hate other people because of X, Y, and Z, or they hate that opinion, so screw you. Like, no, we all have a platform. Everyone, you know, maybe it's just they're should... not happy with themselves, man. That's what it comes down to. Boom. At the <laughs> end of the day, they are not, you, I, 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 yeah. I just gave this advice to a friend. I said, look, he's in like some relationship stuff. Yeah. And I said, the other person, if you, number one, if you can't love yourself first and they can't find a way to love themselves, they're not going to be, you guys aren't going to be able to work. Yeah. And that's just a fact. Um, you know, again, when I was going through all my issues, I didn't, I wasn't a great husband to my wife. I was never an asshole. I always loved her deeply, always faithful, took care of her, protected her, the whole thing. But I, I wasn't there for her in a sense of like comforting her mentally and emotionally as much as I should have been. And as much as I wanted to, because of how much shit I was going through. And that know, was, that's it's weird. back, man. I know it's weird when all you want is to love that person, but because of your happiness within yourself, you can't, you can't do it. Even yes. though you wanted, you could wake up in the morning and be like, today I'm going to show her I love her even more. And Dude, yes. because you're not satisfied with yourself, you can't, or you can't fake, you know, you can fake it, but they can see that shit, you know? See it a mile away, man. It's not a real relationship at that point. Dude, what? 
I mean, being having, you know, you met your wife in college. I mean, some yeah. of these players, you know, they would have been so much better if they just settled down with maybe not. Maybe the relationship would go I know, I know where you're going. I'll, I'll answer the question. Yeah, so, no, no. So it's like, I mean, how many players have, you know, spent all their money and ruined, you mm-hmm. know, their abilities and not reached their potential? You know, I, I, yeah, as a blanket statement without, you know, directing it any real direction, there, there are issues with, um, the way, the way some guys, uh, have structured their lives, um, by who they surround themselves with, um, both friends and females. Um, and that's not, that's not to say females are, are bad, of course, um, in terms of like, yeah, you should want to be in a relationship. Um, but, uh, gambling, who you surround yourself with partying too much, um, bad investments, you know, there's a lot of things and guys, unfortunately, in, in some cases can be uneducated. And that's the sad thing about it. It's yeah. not necessarily that they're doing it because they're a bad guy. Most NBA guys who I've run into who have a bad rap really aren't bad guys. They just yeah. get that bad rap because of either they came in the league young and they didn't know any better or, you know, what, what are you supposed to do if, even me, for example, I came to the league at 20. Let's say I didn't have yeah. a great upbringing and I didn't have the right people in my corner. I, I, I think as a rookie, I made like $2.1 million. Uh, what am I – like, how am I supposed to know what to do with all that if I didn't have, at that time, an amazing fiancé and my future wife and yeah. uh, my friends and family, which, again, I, I wouldn't change Robinson for anything. I, I You know what? Here, it's a little bit of a morbid statement, but when you're, when someone is, is going to pass, and I think about this, if I, if I were to pass, whatever, hopefully that's a long time from now, what are people saying about me at the end of my yeah. life? Did I leave an impact? Did I serve others? Like, was I a good friend, a good brother, a good husband? Um, you know, what ultimately was I doing for other people? And, and, and always remember this, someone will always remember how you made them feel. And so, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this and I don't know how yeah. the hell I got off topic, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it is, um, it is sad that some guys can come into the league and just not, Oh, it was basically that, that yeah. I know I have real friends and yeah. that's what I can lean on. And then at yeah. the end of the day, because of who I am to my core and my good structure around me, that's allowed me to have success also. I, I do think it is individual. Like guys have to be willing to commit regardless of where they come from or who they've been around or whatever. You can make the commitment to say, Oh, I want to save money or oh, I want to work on my game more or oh, I want to do this or, this or that. But the people you're around, it, it is very impactful. So, well, the, uh, I mean, right now, I mean, you realize how quick it'd be taken away. I mean, Ooh, man, you know, there's gotta be NBA players right now that just bought a $20 million house. Like, wait, what about next season? Like mm-hmm. this shit. Oh, we're not invincible. Dude. You know what I mean? Yes. And also like, well, you know, and they gotta, they gotta understand like, Oh shit. Like, like, yo, it's not, it's not given like tomorrow's yeah. not given. It and isn't. this, and so we could learn shit from right now for sure. Oh yes. Do you think social media for athletes though? I mean, it definitely can be a negative in the sense of like, you know, look at a, you know, Antonio Brown. I mean, that's an extreme case, but like, you know, searching for that clout as yes. opposed to just, and that's all artificial bullshit, man. It sure I, is. 
I I, 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 I can't stand it. Again, I come from a small, a small country town, man. Like, yeah. I How used the my, nickname Hammer. Uh, my best friend's dad. Uh, basically, it was just like I was bigger than everybody, stronger than everybody, and quite frankly, could lay the hammer whenever I needed to. So <laughs> that's just where it came from. Uh, but you know what? Um, yeah, social media, it, it's like, it's almost like one or the other. It's like, it's either r- a really negative thing <laughs> for people yeah. and athletes or a really positive thing. And I, I hope that. You know, I, I seem as though I'm using it for a positive, like, again, the, the video message I did for the guy or the, you know, I don't mind saying that I raised 70000 for COVID. Like, I wouldn't say if I made 70000 but I, I, I raised $70,000 to try to help people during this time. And my wife and I gave twenty five of it. Like, that to me, it's a powerful tool if you use it the right way. However, searching for clout and, like, using it for the wrong reasons can just get a bit ugly, to be honest. I'm sure, like, what if that's happening when it's a teammate of yours and you're like, dude, if you just, like, focused and mm-hmm. didn't search for these superficial bullshit, and yep. right now you could definitely sense, like, people are realizing what was superficial, what's important, <laughs> especially now. Yes. Like, as a teammate in the NBA, I feel like if you're in high school and your buddies, you know, getting fucked up all the time, and you're like, dude, yeah. bro, you're hurting – but I feel like in the NBA, because it's like a perfect, like you can't look at the guy and be like, yo, why are you doing this? You can't, you know, yeah. is that, is that hard to do with NBA players? Yeah. I mean, or I can like- go, I can go right up the line. High school. I had a couple of buddies who weren't doing, and they were close friends of mine that weren't doing what they should have. I never drank in high school. Uh, I was focused, man. Like I was getting that scholarship. I was going to win that championship and I was going to move on to college and hopefully the NBA one day. And I wasn't messing that up for nothing, but I have a different drive and, you know, uh, a willingness to to never fail than most people and also what come with that comes discipline so I, I wasn't gonna you know be out you know I don't I don't do drugs I'm not interested yeah um you know I drink I you know I drink a Coors Light I'll drink some wine but like not when I was that age and so I had to sit them down and say yo excuse my French or whatever you don't care y- y'all are fucking yeah. up man stop yeah. yeah like stop and, and and to be honest one of them heard it one of them didn't and then eventually the other one slowly caught up. Then I go to college. I'll never forget. I used to, um, I had this like Illini friend I used to play with, Call of Duty. He's like, yo, you and X, Y, and Z player, not going to mention names, all going to the league, right? And I'm like, hmm, not so sure. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, some of these guys, man, they think, but out partying too much, too, consi- too concerned, excuse me, with women, whatever it may be. Now, at the league level, like you said, the, the professional side of it now can get in the way a little bit. But I can say now in my eighth season, I have the confidence, again, in who I am as a man and as a player. I'm impacting games, so I have that covered. I'm a good person, so I can be trusted. That's clear as day in our locker room. And a lot of people do come to me for advice, whether it be about life or relationship or basketball, whatever it may be. And they know that I'm going to shoot them straight. I, I tend to tiptoe in to yeah. make sure they do trust me and not be, not be like, yo, bro, you can't effing do that. But it's yeah. more like, hey, man, I got to be honest. Like, I've caught wind of a couple of things or I've heard you talking about X, Y, and Z. I have to personally tell you that you will make a lot of money if you change these two things. And guess what? I can say that a couple of those things have been changed. And by the way, the Miami Heat have won a lot of games this year. That's not necessarily because of Myers Leonard. But I know, personally speaking, it feels good to know that 
they took that advice and it's really helped them. So I, again, I'm not going to name names, but it's good to know. But yes, so there's a there's a bit of a balancing act um, to your point when it comes yeah. to the NBA and having those kind of tough conversations sometimes. Is, is it dope to have Kendrick Nunn, who went to Illinois, also on the team? For is sure, there, man. Like, a and, connection? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew Kendrick well, when he was younger. Number one, because he's from Chicago. Um, and through the kind of the AAU system and all that, you kind of know the same people. And he's young and talented, man. He's, he's had an unbelievable year. Same with our other rookie, Tyler Hero. Man, again, I get, I just, I'm, I'm blessed to be in this situation. I don't care how much money I make. I mean, yeah. everyone wants to make money. But my point is, is like, I'm thankful to just be here where uh, I have impact. And, you know, yeah, you're a Florida boy, me. baby. Flor- I'm right. from Florida. I'm born in, Ray- I was born in Miami, baby. Dude. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's super dope that, that I have the in, uh, ability now to – my voice is heard is the best way to put it. My voice is heard here in this locker room in Miami. Dude, freaking uh, – my last question, I guess, would be um, when you play with someone like a Jimmy Butler or Damian Lillard or, you, you know, <laughs> I, I had to bring it up, but when LeBron backed you down – uh, that was <laughs> I. I was calling you. No, no, no. But like, like these athletes are like that. Next like someone level. like Dan, Why? What is it about someone like Dan, like if you if you went to the top of the key right and you shot thirty threes yep. and you made twenty eight of them and Damian Lillard, whatever Damian Lillard, you know maybe would hit twenty five. Maybe you hit twenty seven. But then in a game, like where does it get to a point where it's like. You know what? I'm going to fucking – I don't give a fuck. I'm taking control. Like, it's all mental, right? Yeah, all heart, dude. Dame, like, comes, Dame comes from a place called Brookfield, which is the streets of Oakland. Um, and I think, again, same as Robinson for me. Brookfield, he's, he's very passionate about it. And he – you know, it, it helped build him, build his character, build, build his drive, his passion. Um, you know, to, to not only excel as an athlete, but to take care of his family. Um, and he's just a, so loyal. And so Damien just has that it factor. There's something about – and he, by the way, he works on his, you know, mental sports psychology st- type stuff. Of course he's putting the reps in in the summer. I mean, the guy literally went from one year he kept getting trapped in the playoffs and we lost. And he's like, how the hell – because they're like, all right, we're just going to take Damien out of this series. And, of course, it frustrated the shit out of him. Like, it was hard as hell. It's, it's not only physically taxing, but he's mentally trying to – how the hell do I try to help our team win this game? You know, he's a, he's a franchise city changing player. How do I do this? So, literally, the guy starts shooting 35-foot bombs in the summer to, to make sure he has that range. And, by the way, when he was here in Miami, we, we won the game, but Dame on, in the second and third quarter, or third quarter for sure, in early fourth, had this ridiculous run of like <laughs> four for six from outside, probably 27 feet, if not more. I'm like, what the hell, bro? I mean, I saw it for years, <laughs> yeah, but playing yeah, against my- it, I was like, oh my God. Like, but he trained himself and literally trained that aspect of his game to figure out how he can improve. So Dame just has that impact, man. He's like, yeah, give how many, me the how many, ball. How many players in the league? Are like alone in in the gym, <laughs> going to like thirty feet, and Dude. just be like, I'll just test the waters. You know what I mean? It's like easy. he could shoot jump shots from half court. I've witnessed it, so it's like not uncomfortable for him. And by the way, again, great teammate, great person, family man, loyal man, um, and just he has that it factor, man. So 
Yeah. Given the given the ball like giving the ball to a game. Jesus, giving the what ball. What would happen? To a okay. Like what, <laughs> what would happen though? All right. Let's say we come back from break. Yep. They were four games in. You decide to shoot 14 three-pointers. Yep. No issue. But, they want me but to. like, huh? They, they would want, want you to. to. Yeah. What? Why? Why? I'm not saying I don't know if you have shot 14. I'm. It was a. a I think a my number career high is 11. Yeah. So like, what? What stops you from trying to? I mean, I understand like being the role player or whatever, but yeah. like, what stops not just you, but like any NBA player from from being like, yo, I deserve to shoot 25 times. I can shoot just as good as that motherfucker. You know what it is. Spo talks about this all the time. Our head coach, of course. Number one, enjoying someone else's success. So I know that I probably could shoot, say, three or four more times a game. But I know for our team, it's more important right now for the young guys to get their shots and for me to just play my role. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So, so enjoying someone else's success means Goran Dragic literally had to put his pride aside, which, by the way, former All-Star, um, still very, very, very good player. Had to say, I'll be the sixth man. Spo had to talk to him about it because Tyler and Kendrick needed to to play important minutes and you know be legit rotation players. And Kendrick was going to start. It made more sense for Goran to come off the bench. Said, Yeah, I'll do it. That's enjoying someone else's success. That's saying, Okay, I'm going to let the young guys learn and get better, and I'll come in. You know, and he's by the way, Goran's in in crunch time. So the truth about it is, is you have to be willing to sacrifice in the NBA if you really want to win. Look at the Spurs for 20 straight years, bro. In the Western Conference, 50-plus yeah. wins every year and whatever, five titles, uh, playoffs every year. Like, are you kidding me? But that's because Pop demanded that you either fall in line with the Spurs organization. And now they had Tim and Tony and Manu and all those guys. You either fall in line with what is asked of you or get the hell out. Same thing is happening – and ha- always, for the most part, has happened here in Miami, to my knowledge. I'm okay with my role. Now, sh- you know, I'm in a contract year, but I don't give a shit. If you win, by the way, and they know you're a good player and you play your role, you're going to get paid. Yeah. Now, unfortunately speaking, that's not how everybody operates. That's not how every uh, everybody in this business operates. That's not how every player operates. But the reason we win games in, in Miami is, number one, because our best player, Jimmy Butler, will sometimes – not shoot a layup and swing it to the corner to one of our young guys. Boom. He hits a three right there. Let me just tell you that's a trigger. You would, you just unlock the confidence of a young guy early in the season. Game five, Jimmy, boom, hits another young guy. Big moment, knocks down the shot. Building that confidence in that team chemistry to know that, okay, I go from good shot to great shot is going to change whether or not you win games later in the season. So that's, and I'm the same way. Yeah. If I have a good – it's good, what we call good to great. If I yeah. see Duncan on my right, which, by the way, he is scorching records and shooting just a, a, a smidge above me in three-point percentage, if I have a trail three, boom, but there's a guy on me, but boom, I see Duncan out of the corner of my eye, swing it, now he's ready to roll. Now he hits an open three. Now he knocks down two more that quarter. So it's all about understanding yeah. your role, man. And, and, yeah. and it's just putting your freaking pride aside. You have to, or you're not going to win at the end of the day, and that's why we're winning in Miami. Everyone defends. Everyone understands what's expected of them every day, and you freaking play your role. I love it, dude. I freaking love it. When's the first time you dunked in a game? 
in a game was my freshman year of high school, but I dunked for the first time in eighth grade. Can you, how did, how good did that feel? Was oh, that the best unbelievable. Feeling? Oh, I tried. I, I was, I was close ever since like seventh grade, just couldn't get it down for whatever reason. And then boom, in eighth grade, I slammed one dude. It was like the greatest feeling ever. Tell me about the dunk in the game where you, why was it a fast break? Uh, it was like a two on one drop off to me, kind of a lame dunk, but still a dunk. And I was just like, he'll actually did it in the game. And then it became like normal, you know? It's like, it's like, um, isn't that crazy? Know. Just takes oh, one yeah. time. Just takes one time. Dude, we had a seven footer on our team. Uh huh. He, he played at FAU. He was decent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he dunked one time in senior year. That's it? One dunk. And it was like, it wasn't even that clean, but he was so happy. He was just, <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> bro, we were good, though. We were pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, we lost to uh, who do we? Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Westminster, which is just north of you there. Okay. You fuck, okay. You, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, yeah. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to talk about me yeah. anymore. I want to talk about yeah. you. So, what's up with you? How are you? Uh, what's on the docket? Puddles uh, <laughs> is obviously uh, doing doing good. You're keeping yeah, that going. Yeah, it's doing good, man. It's uh, you know, it's uh, I'm I have to monetize it now. I mean, everything yep. else is, you know, my tour done. My, I, I had a writing job for an e sh- for Nikki's e show. Like uh-huh. I was making like real money for first time in my life for this yeah. shit, you know. And uh, done. So now you know I'm just trying to make money off the pod. But you know what? It's pushing me. If I didn't have this, I wouldn't have tried to monetize this. Huh? And if I can monetize my podcast, I can fucking do whatever the hell I want. Like yeah. I mean, sure, there's a certain number yeah. that I would have to hit, but like I could live. In Austin, Texas, I could live in LA. I could live in my like. I could literally do like whatever I wanted if I could generate that. And I and I never would have attacked it like I am if yep. this didn't happen because I would have just gotten the money the other places, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's good, you know. I'm just I'm trying, you know. I'm working out a little bit. I was hitting the gym a lot before this. I did see that. Dead ass serious. I'm I'm so dead serious, bro. Were, I was getting, were you enjoying it? Yeah, dude. I I mean I I've been lifting my whole life, like. You know, and then, you know, what happens is like, I don't know. I mean, it's such a different thing when you're an athlete like you are, but like you'll, you'll jump into it, but you'll jump too hard into it. Yeah. And then you'll get those gains and then it's not, you can't sustain it. So you got to like, kind of like, I've learned, you know, I'm, I'm turning 40 on Saturday, you know? Oh shit. I know, bro. I'm fucking old. Four zero. I know, dude. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, um, but, uh, I just I don't I I know what what I, how I want to lift and I don't want to like overdo it anymore. I don't have to overdo it. I'm, what am I doing it for? I'm doing Fair it enough. so I look decent yeah. and my and my cholesterol stays down a little bit. Okay, let's you talk know? about the dancing skills. I mean, that's this is it's it's like a very real thing here on the IG and stuff. Bro, it's just a, such a silly thing, man. I like moving okay. my body and gyrating. I I could probably learn how to dance for real. Uh, you know, I mean, I you guess have rhythm. Like you, yeah. it's not like you're a stiff, bro. Nah, dude. It, it's uh, you know, I I I tend to like, I I I re- I want to make fun of me first. Like that's what okay. the kind of comedy I like. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't like freaking political and like this is like this and this is like no. Let's be fuck. Let's be silly. Yeah. And laugh at ourselves, man. Okay. Uh, how that's- about uh, how about is this time decent for you? 
not in a sense, obviously, like you were writing for Nikki, that's gone. You can't go on tour, but can you create new storylines and like, can you stockpile a bunch of comedic I, stuff? Yeah, I feel like it's like the NBA it's experience. Like, like you feel like, yo, holy crap, this could get, ta- I'm, I'm not a stand-up comedian anymore. Like I am, but you know what I, I know you wrote, but I'm saying though, it's like the crowds are gone. Like it could be yeah. gone like that. So it's like, what else can I do creatively where I could actually make an income? I mean, I have an idea already right off the rip. Be you, your and agent? Nikki, you, <laughs> well, you and Nikki co-host once, once every two weeks or once a month, a comedy via IG Live, bro. Done. People are going to tune in. She has a big following. You have a following. Yeah. Co- co-host a, a comedy thing and, and then see how the first one does. If you guys get a shitload of viewers, you take that to a brand and say, hey, comedy's gone. Everything's gone, but guess what? People want to be entertained. The brand says, okay, uh, let's up the production a little bit. You guys do this every two weeks for us. We'll pay you X amount of dollars because it's content for their platform, which then you'll give to them. Ha ha, people are laughing. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I, my friend Hannah Burner is doing that. Who's on Summer House. Okay. Have you heard, I don't know, it's some reality show. Oh, do you uh, think Lamella's going to – oh, what? fuck. Oh shit! Never mind. I'm Sorry. here. You there? Oh man, I got a phone call that on here. Okay, never mind. So I thought I lost you again. Can you hear me? I can. Hell yeah! All right, all right, all right. Okay, Lamelo um, Ball, the youngest. Yeah, is he gonna be the first pick? I don't know. Um, I don't honestly. Is follow... he the real deal? I think he's pretty good, man. From 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 what I've gathered from other, uh, you know, people in the space, uh, he's he seems pretty legit. And do you watch? Do you do you follow high school ball at all? No, you, unless you know some I do. Massive game, really? Yeah, yeah. It's a weird wow. dude. I follow high school ball probably more than the NBA. I don't know if that's like creepy or whatever, but like, I don't know what it is. I like maybe it's my kind of feeling of nostalgia with like sure. loving high school sports, and that's where it ended yeah. for me. You I know? mean, that very. I mean, yeah, very well could be it. But uh, I mean, you could probably tune in, watch number zero for the Heat every now and then. You are from Florida, but anyways. <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, Bro, no. I'm going to become a diehard Heat fan. Yeah? And, and uh, I really am. Not just – I really am. I, I, I haven't picked a team. I like the Heat growing up, Timmy Hardaway. Oh, yeah. Who killer cross, my God. I mean, I got to be honest, though. Orlando, when they had freaking Shaq. Shaq and Penny. And they had guys, Penny. Nick Anderson. I mean, that team was electric. Ooh, I went to a of few of those games. Off the chain, and, huh? Yeah, and then, you know – but, yeah, no, I'm going to – I'm gonna. I'll, I'll get after. You know, I'm up here in New York. I don't give a shit about the Knicks. You know, you know. I don't. Bro, quickly, I, don't, I have to ask. Is it? You said earlier, but is it like? Is it hard for you to go in public, like for the fear of like what might happen, or? Yeah. Oh, like right now, going outside. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's it's real. It's real. I don't leave my apartment. I I left the other day, and um, I went to the grocery store. I went at eleven o'clock at night because I thought that would be the safest time. The grocery guys that are packing our bags got in a fight with some homeless drunk guys outside, like full on fight, bro, in the street, then came back to pack more groceries. And I'm like, you got fucking Corona, hepatitis. You got everything now. Right. It was insane. And I was like trying to be safe. Like that's New York. That's the problem with New York sometimes is like, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, it could just be a normal stroll. But that being said. I have to say this. I haven't gone in one month. Okay, once on the jet skis, we went out to like the bay and came back. 
outside of going on the jet skis, I swear to God, I haven't gone one square mile like out from walking our dog in a month. Now I am in Miami, so that's nice. But uh, I don't leave my house, bro. This chair you right ba- here. You have a basketball court? No, no. So are we you shooting a- right now? What are you doing? I haven't shot a ball in three and a half weeks. Most NBA players haven't either. It's freaking really? crazy, man. Yes. Everyone I thought that, you, you all know, have hoops. You got to all have hoops. Dude, How do you I'm not so, have hoops? I'm so glad you said that. Everyone has that uh, perception that NBA players just have basketball hoops. No. <laughs> um, there, I think um, there was some big writer who was like ESPN or something that was going to write that like it's a very common misconception that NBA, all NBA players just have courts at their house. It's not true at all. Well, I just feel like – it's an interesting time, like because it was so such a big story with Rudy and uh, Donovan. And, uh, Donovan, which I feel I have empathy for Rudy so much with that situation, and you know what's interesting with that situation is everyone's like Rudy gave it to Don. Well, Donovan might have gave it to Rudy. Obviously, Rudy touching those microphones, which was well before like there were so many fucking cases and yeah. I have empathy for the dude, for sure. I, you know, yeah, it I was know, but, it was careless, but it wasn't malicious. No, to, to my knowledge, he touched the microphones, but he was also messing around with his teammates' like stuff in their lockers. So that's where it gets a little bit hairy. But I, I have empathy for him. You know, I don't know what the relationships like, um, but it's certainly, you know, yeah. it doesn't look great whenever all, you're the first one. But it's not like he did it out of uh, you know malicious intent. So, what are the chances the NBA season's coming back? Oh man, that's so tough. Uh, I've or heard that. the word on the street? I've heard that on May first, they kind of have to come to a decision. I don't know if that's for sure or not. That's their goal. Um, I've heard that you know maybe we come back and the East is kind of solidified. So maybe we come back. The East doesn't really have to do anything other than maybe a few warm up games. Um, and then the West, the eight, the eight seed is the only thing that's really up for grabs. So maybe there's like a playing game in the West and then you just play the playoffs with no fans and go from there. But to be honest, I thought about this. What if we get a weekend and one more guy tests positive, then you just, what you stop again. I know. So it's just, it's crazy, man. The whole world is crazy. You know, it's a reiterate people need to stay quarantined if they can, you know, like wear a mask. If you have to wash your freaking hands, like just be diligent. Like this is very real and it's not going to stop until people take it seriously. The problem is, is like, you think you're fine. Oh, just 10 cases. Oh, we only have 15 cases here the yep. next day. I had some girl call me. She had like three friends over. I go, those are your roommates? They're like, no, they're just girls that are hanging out. I was like, I started shaming them. And then they're like getting defensive. And I'm like, bro, I'm not the bad guy here. I'm trying to tell you that your city is going to be there. You know, New York has gotten destroyed. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen it all. I don't know. Social, yeah. People, yeah, people people need to take it serious. And, man, I, I appreciate you so much for taking your time today no to doubt, do man. this. I mean, it, it really does mean a lot. Like, uh, uh, like I said, like, you know, being an amazing athlete like myself, to interview another athlete that's, you know, almost on my level and stuff. Yeah. And speaking of level, let's talk about your brand or your uh, your food brand, which I haven't. I got to eat some of them, man. Is it going to give me a uh, nine pack or what? Probably. Uh, here's what I'll do. You're going to send me your address after this, and I'm going to send you a variety pack. So that's for starters. But, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, uh, 
it's my wife and I's brand level foods and she is the CEO and she's built this thing, man. Like she, I can, my wife is so damn driven. That's why I'm so proud of her, man. She, um, you know, she, we have, she seems awesome, dude. I, I want to, we all got to part. We all got to hang one day. No, we will. come down to Florida. We will. Yeah. But it's, it's more around the fact that she honestly could just be a stay at home. You know, we have enough money, but she's driven as hell, man. Like she initially started it because of my internal medicine issues and uh, my nutrition needs. And so it built from there. It took roughly two years to finally launch. Like it's crazy how much like the food scientists and lawyer this and manufacturer that like there's a lot of stuff that comes with this. But I, I can stay with confidence. Like I'm a protein bar connoisseur, bro. Like I've had every brand, every flavor, every everything. And they're not only do we have great ingredients, but the flavors off the charts. And so uh, you're gonna try them. But uh, we're grinding. You know, we're creating content. We're starting a podcast yeah. actually too. Uh, oh yeah, what's it called? It's gonna be called the Pivot Point. Nice, uh, because dude. we we have realized, uh, and my wife kind of made this uh, definition, but a pivot is like a fundamental change and from a from a real life experience. So, the goal is to to share what we've gone through, what I've gone through, what she's gone through, um, and then have other people on that have boom for whatever reason had to pivot and figure out how to uh, change their life for the better. And so for me, like. I had to pivot when it came to my diet and boom, that created level or we had to pivot and I had to change my off season routine and go to LA, which changed my career. Like, so that, that's, that's kind of the idea behind it, but, but people need to pivot right now. Boom, pivot. Like, how do I get better? How do I, um, yeah. you know, what can I do from home to get better? So yeah, the, Bro, the brand is I awesome. St- I stopped drinking and I got on antidepressants and you know, so many positives came from that. I mean, it was a huge pivot for me. I get that, man. Oh yeah, And it's never too late to pivot, man. Dude, no, never, you can yeah. be, you, dude, you're, uh, yeah. so let's be honest, you're about to yeah. turn 40, but you've, you know, you seem happy to me. Would that be yeah, a fair I'm, assessment? Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You know, like, these times are dark, but just in general, like you seem solid. Like yeah. there's so many people that are going through a very um, emotional experience right now, trying to figure out what the hell's going on, you know, what's going on with the world, how do I, you know, I'm losing money or I don't have it, like we all have to find ways to just pivot boom, yeah, yeah. and have the discipline and the character and the work ethic to move on and find like, you just have to like some people do it and some don't man. Like it's just, it's just a reality of what we're all going through. We can't sit back and say, Oh, well, boohoo me. No, <laughs> if boohoo yeah. me ain't going to get you nowhere. Nah, man. And when does that come out? What's that? When's the podcast come out? I'm thinking we're going to drop episode one within a couple of weeks and we have a awesome. couple two and three are, are stockpiled and ready to roll. So uh, we just wanted to make sure we don't like extend ourselves too much to where then we can't um, keep creating podcasts because you got to come mm. up with the storyline and we, we want every one of them to be uh, impactful. So hopefully my puddles episode doesn't suck and hopefully people will watch it. But this was unbelievable. I, I, I jumped around a lot. I do. I'm going to hate myself for that a little bit, but uh, hopefully <laughs> I really do feel like we talked about some real, real stuff and, and uh, yeah, man. I, and your story is amazing and it's inspiring Thank you, and, man. Uh, and I appreciate you. And thank you so much for doing this. And uh, go get a basketball hoop, bro. Go to Walmart and freaking start shooting, dog. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to public, but let me say this. <laughs> you touched on it for a second. I'll, I'll end you with this. Everyone thinks Jimmy Butler's an asshole. That's false, number one. Um, great teammate, just has a certain level of discipline that he expects everyone else to, to align with. And he, and he wants to win at all costs. I got a text from his agent, because I, I know his agent. And he said, yo, 
anybody with a house, Jimmy wants to get him a basketball hoop. Do you, do you want one? I was like, hell yeah. Jimmy Butler's a real dude, bro. He knows that I make plenty of money to get a basketball hoop, but he wants to give me one. So, like, that's just a small example. In Toronto, over a 24-hour period when we were there, we, we had three meals together to get to know each other. He invited me to all of them, paid for all of them. I didn't need him to do that, but he just wanted to do that. So, like, there's very real people in the NBA, and a lot of, uh, like I mentioned, some people get the wrong narrative about them because of yeah. the media. <laughs> Jim Butler's a hell of a teammate, a hell of a dude. So, um, so yeah, I am getting a basketball hoop, so shut your mouth, Andrew. Bro, I'm coming down there, dog. I'm going to body your ass in the post. I'm going to spray paint a, a, a paint, and I'm just going to take two massive dribbles into your sternum, hopefully knock your bitch ass on the ground, dunk all over you, and then Man, scream, that kinda... and scream puddles. Did All you just describe? Time. Did you describe what LeBron did to you, bro? Is yeah, that what well, just happened, dude? Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. I was off balance for starters, <laughs> but, but but LeBron is. Yeah, dude, he's a. Uh, who's the strongest player in the NBA? Oh God, strongest? Maybe Stephen Adams. I feel like we're gonna just keep like. Gonna <laughs> we're just gonna, like, gonna right, fuck it. Ah, we'll end here. But hey, who's the strongest player? Who's fastest? <laughs> Who do you think has the best jump shot? Oh wait, this is one question I really wanted to oh, know. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> When y'all shower, is it a group shower or is it – I'm not asking about who has the biggest piece. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But is it a group shower or do you guys have individual showers? They're kind of individual stalls, but they're in the same location. Okay, so you have cover. Yes. It's not just some open community shower where you're – Bro, in high school, that's yeah, all it same. is. Yeah, same. But, you know, it, it just is what it is, man. Like <laughs> – you're either a freaking weirdo about it or you're like, yo, I got a shower, bro. I don't want to stink. So you kind of shower, you go about your way. Bro, uh, I yeah. wore boxers in the shower in high school. Oh, my God. <laughs> you self-conscious little bitch. Oh, my God. Then you went and cried. Every day I went home with wet boxers, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. I can just imagine you. Oh, I need a shower. I'll leave my boxers on. Then I'll slap my clothes back on over the top. Bro, it was sad. It was oh sad. God. I got called, uh, yeah, not a pansy a lot. It was tough. It was tough. But it built confidence, you know? Hell, built yeah. Built character. All right, man. Well, freaking, I hope the season comes back. And I do, too. I'm go buy a Miami jersey. I don't know which one yet, but I'll look into I'll look how about into. I, how about I send you a Miami Heat number zero Leonard jersey and a box of level bars? Deal. Can you can you send me the uh, the, the freaking turquoise one? The one that you're rocking? In your- yeah, Miami Vice. Hell yeah, puddles, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Puddles, puddles, everybody now puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles, everybody now puddles, puddles. Everybody get up because you get down. If you're getting too close, you know you're getting wet. If you're getting too close, you know you're getting wet. You're standing in deep, you're getting real wet. You ain't that deep because you're kind of shallow. Shallow in the brain and shallow in your heart. You'll never get that deep inside the water, girl. You'll never get that deep. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Everybody now puddles, puddles. Everybody get up because you get down. You know when you're standing in the puddle, you don't know where to go because you're so deep, you don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how wet I am because I'm so wet. That's who I am. I'm so wet. Wet. I'm so wet. 
on in. Puddles, puddles. Because you get down and then everyone will come over here. This episode of Puddles was recorded at Remember to Be Happy Studios. Production by Becky Rodriguez and Tanner Williams. That's Human Places, The Ease of Three, and Lil Kinky 69.